I'm Alex Mellaris. And I'm Tai Fu. Welcome to Fusion and Hockey Podcast. This week, it is Friday, October 28th, 2022, and we are in a different space again. Uh, a, a larger room so that we are spaced out more so that it is harder to hear one another on each other's microphones, minimizing echo, hopefully. <laughs> Why did you enunciate that so, so uh, thoroughly? It's good to pronounce your words. Okay. I don't know well. what to tell you. Yeah, so uh, that's right. We're in a new room. We're now sitting across each other. We have a long-ass table between us. Yeah. So that's, that's the setup right now. And yeah, thank you for the very formal intro. That's lovely. So, in a formal table and in a formal mood. <laughs> the meeting mode. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, yeah, this week, shall we start with the, uh, the Devils? Or should we start with the trade that just broke? Yeah, we, sure, we can start with the trade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then go to the Devils. Why don't we? Breaking news. Because there were a couple small trades this week. And this is the biggest of the small trades, for sure. Because with Vancouver, we can give a little context here, who have been obviously doing terribly the talk of the entire league, JT Miller not being seen in a pumpkin patch and all that. Um, and people are saying, are they going to fire Boudreaux? Are they going to make moves? They actually made two moves this week. First one, earlier in the week, they traded uh, Michael DiPietro, goalie prospect, who's about 23, along with Jonathan Myrenberg, who they drafted in the sixth round in, uh, last year, 2021. In exchange for uh, Jack Studnika, who I could easily foresee like jumping into the NHL right away because Boston, particularly when it was Bruce Cassidy there, never really gave him much of a shot. And then, just about half an hour ago, uh, they made an even bigger splash, giving up a measly fifth-round pick to the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for uh, fringe player at best Lane Peterson and solid defenseman Ethan Bear. What's your reaction? Right. Let's start with the new shit because uh, why not? Uh, on the Ethan Bear, like, so we've talked about Vancouver and their notoriously bad defense is horrid. Uh, and yeah, it was I guess it's Jim Rutherford or it's Patrick Alvin went out and actually made a decent upgrade for a very reasonable cost. Uh, Ethan Bear being a, you know, a very solid offensive-minded defenseman uh, who kind of had his role diminished out in, in Carolina. Uh, he just signed like a $2.2 million contract as an RFA. And it looks like now that he's not playing as big a role in Carolina, they want to shed his cap cap, uh, cap space. And so they were willing to take only a fifth, which is your Vancouver for a, a very decent upgrade on your defense. That is, you're more than willing to pay the price for this team that's kind of falling apart at the seams. Mm-hmm. I would say this trade, from a value perspective, very good for Vancouver. Um, but it also kind of uh, it goes alongside this philosophy of we're trying to win now. And I would say in most years, but especially in Connor Bedard years, when you have started 1-7 or whatever, I'd say you got you to gotta pull the shoot right away. Honestly, especially, you know, this Bedard yeah. Mitchkov fan till a year. You're in the drivers. I know you've been wanting to get better for a while. You've got a great young core. It's, it's wonderful. It's beautiful, Jim Rutherford. Um, and there was also the quote he had earlier this week of, like, when someone asked, like, should you rebuild or whatever, he was like, rebuilds take a very long time, though. <laughs> <laughs> Something to that effect. And I, uh, 
I think Vancouver has kind of, well, Jim Benning did it first, obviously doomed them to this kind of uh, at-best bubble playoff team eternally with some great players and some deadweight contracts. And Jim Rutherford hasn't gone to any drastic measures to rectify the situation. Um, so this, this bear deal, uh, while it is a nice little piece of business, I think it goes, it's basically saying, yeah, we're going to try to like pull ourselves out of this slump and get into the playoffs, uh, which even before the season, I didn't foresee happening. I, they probably end the season, like maybe I would say no higher than 25th in the league. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, but that's the thing. I don't mind this trade because you know, you're talking about a piece in Nathan bear. He's only still only 25. Um, so, you know, not even necessarily like you can make the move. It, it's good value when it comes to just giving up that fifth for a solid young offensive defenseman. So even if you're trying to lose and you're pulling that shoot, if this team was tanking and they made this trade, I don't think I would mind. I think it's more, you know, the bigger like the bigger moves um, where you're you're kind of hedging the future uh, or that is the, the, are the more concerning things like, you know, the JT Miller contract, for instance. Right. That's. I think that's more indicative of, you know, just not being willing to, to throw in that towel and to do a proper rebuild. But I think stuff like this and even the Studnika trade where, you know, you're, you're taking a chance on a, on a young player and, you know, he pans out. If he pans out, you've got a good player. And if you do decide to tank, you can still flip them. Um, I think I think it's fine. Yeah. I mean, the Studnika deal is fine. You're trading like a 23-year-old who hasn't panned out for a 23-year-old who hasn't panned out. Yeah. Um. But the bear one, I think, is kind of just like a, a microcosm of that, like, of like maybe what the JT Miller d contract is a bigger indicator of, which is you know, trying to win now when the team isn't ready for it. Yeah, maybe. But at a certain point, with the level of the defense is right now, you know, like if the upgrade is there, I think you make the upgrade. I think it's like you're not going to bring in a 33 year old guy right on an expiring deal who's going to be a UFA at the end of the at the end of the year. That's one thing. Uh, it's not, it's not like Travis Hamannick. Uh, it's, it's more like, you know, you, maybe it pans out and now you got a good defenseman for, you know, the, the coming years because it's, the defense is so bad. Like you can, you add Ethan Bear to the lineup and I don't think he moves the needle enough to ruin your tank to, uh, you know, not make it worth anything. Asset wise, it's on the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when also now Vancouver in terms of defense. Has Quinn Hughes, Riley Stillman, Travis Dermott, and Tucker Pullman on IR. What uh, <laughs> uh, Hughes, Stillman, and uh, Hughes and Stillman are day to day. Pullman is game time decision, so they should all be back soon. Dermott is the one who's week to week. That is four regulars, which means they kind of have uh, Jack Rathbone, Kyle Burrows, Guillaume Brisebois, and the like kicking around their lineup these days. Um, not great. I know this is much easier said than done. If I'm Vancouver, though. And I'm looking at this situation where, first of all, the team is doing terribly. And personally, I didn't think they were going to be very good anyway. And second, you've got brilliant young assets. Um, I've, I've, I would find it hard to resist the temptation to do a full teardown involving trading Thatcher Demko, Quinn Hughes, Elias okay. Pettersson, every, everything with value on this team, load up on high draft picks for the next uh, four years. Until finally you can LTIR or trade your dead weights, and all of a sudden you're a cup contender in 2026. Because honestly, <laughs> Eugene Melnick over here. Yeah, go ahead. That is the only way I foresee this team 
arising to contention at any point. Because when you have something as egregious as the OEL deal sitting on the books till 2027 uh, and the Myers deal, which only has two years left, so that's slightly less concerning. It's like, how can you expect, how can you expect to, to get the most out of a, a lineup like that? Right. Well, I think I, w- I would go rebuild because this roster is not good enough. But would I tear everything down, tear, like, you know, like send out the young core? I think if you lock down this type of player and you have, you have your shoes, if he continues to develop properly, at Pedersen, um, those two pieces in particular, and Demko, uh, what's, the, what's the point of, like, shipping them out? You know what I mean? Like, it took you, the, like, you know, you drafted them, you, drew, you developed them properly. You're at this point now. So what? So you can, like, trade them for futures that you're going to hope and pray you can draft and develop. But, like, five years later down the road, right? Because they're still young is the issue, right? It's one thing to, to have your JT Millers. And that, that, that kind of thing, if you're doing a proper rebuild, you're not signing that kind of contract. You're sending that guy out, getting the futures for them. But if you already have part of a young core, you know, players who are in their early 20s, I don't, like, you're just going to find yourself in a perpetual cycle of doing that over and over like Buffalo has done for the last 20 years. Well, I was, well like, if Jim Rutherford is smart enough to not acquire OEL-type deals, sign Tyler Myers-type deals, then you're not, you know? I feel like it's, it's obviously, you know, it would be nice to build a team around Pedersen, Hughes, Demko, whoever else, but it, it is like the, the deadweight deals, the defense in general, that make it impossible, at least currently, to have a contender with them. So, like, if you hold on to them and you want to do a rebuild, A, what are you trading away in order to rebuild? And B, does, is the team bad enough with them there that you could actually bottom out? Well, I think we're seeing it now. I think it is bad enough. And you, you can make it worse by training those surrounding pieces. Uh, at least the ones that aren't on horrid contracts. Trade Andre Kuzmenko, Connor Garland. Well, yeah, you just ride it out. Like, you don't need to actively trade away your core to tank, right? You can just be fucking <laughs> Not bad. Not when you're as bad as the Canucks are. Well, like, you just, you just sit around, your team stuck shit, and then you'll get the high pick, and that's how you rebuild. You, you know, like, and then trade your peripheral pieces for some extra pick, call it a day, um, as, ma- as much as you can. I, I don't think you need to go as far as touching the core because they are still that young. Like, if they were 28, 27, okay, kick them out, you know? But... What? How old is Patterson? Like 23? 24? 23. 23, right? So, theoretically, you could still see him fully being in his prime in like five, six years when he's 28, 29. So, yeah. I, I say you hold on to that. Okay, fine. <laughs> sure, you win this one. Okay. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, I just feel like, because it's fun. We're talking about, like, we talk about teams all the time, obviously. Uh, and. I find much more often than not, we are critical of teams and we point out what they're doing wrong and what their flaws are. And I think that makes a lot of sense because only one team out of 32 can actually win the Stanley Cup. And that's the goal. So the standard is extremely high. The standard is to be the best in the league. So most teams aren't living up to that. I 100%. And so, and so we point out what they're doing wrong. And, you know, it's, I look at a, a team like, like Vancouver, and it's my estimation that they have virtually no hope of contending for a Stanley Cup in the foreseeable future. So it's this, this weird balance of, like, I feel like drastic measures would have to be taken in order to 
to make that sizable leap rather than just have this goal, which most of the, these GMs have in actuality, which is to make the playoffs or take baby steps. Yeah. No, I, I get the, the, the feeling, like, especially when, when you have a team that's in a state right now that you need those big moves to eventually get yourself. And you don't want to, like, you know, mire yourself in mediocrity for years on end, mm-hmm. right? But I think there is a path to contention in five, six years with the players at their current age, right? So I, that's the difference for me. Whereas if the core was 27, 28, you know, then, and they still have these deadweight contracts, that's where I'm like, you know, can it? You're not getting anywhere. They're going to be 32 by the time you're, you know, you're contending. They're going to be way overpaid. But, you know, at this age, if, if they have a smart general manager, you can build around that and build a contender. I think the path forward for them to become a contender by 2026 without trading away all their superstar players would involve A, waiting for Tyler Myers' contract to expire. That's easy. That can be done. B, um, you have to somehow solve the Oliver ekman Larson crisis. And, and yeah. this is the biggest challenge because are you finding another taker to take on most of that, that money? Good luck without, you know, sweetening the pot tremendously. Um, and also, step, step three is hope JT Miller can learn how to play defense so that he's worth an 8 million AAV till he's like 36. Because that was a, that's been a big story this year. While he wasn't scoring on a 99-point pace, everyone was noticing that he's like Mark Shifley level bad at playing defense. Uh, and number four is uh, draft and develop competent defensemen. Aside from only Quinn Hughes forever. Right. I think, I think those can be done. You just need someone smart at the helm, right? You just need someone to make those right moves, right? You're not going to luck into it. I, I was it's... being slightly tongue-in-cheek about teaching yeah. JT Miller to play defense because right. I, don't, I don't care how smart your, yeah. your, your GM is, you know? But I think in terms of otherwise, you know, in terms of roster building, okay, right? Like making smart trades, you know, and whatnot. What Sackick did, right? Shitty roster, went ahead and, well, I mean, he had a core. Kind of kept it around. Now look, look at them, right? It's just a matter matter making good trades and shit, and drafting and developing well. I don't think Colorado had any ever had any like terrible deals on the books, did they? No, in that sense, I guess they didn't. So they weren't in that cap hell. They just had no good but, players and then found them. Yeah, and I think you can do that here, Vancouver. Yeah, and you can build around the score. And it starts with Ethan Bear and Jack Studnika. Maybe, you never know. <laughs> yeah. We don't give enough shit for that OEL deal. That trade. That trade. That the dumbest shit. Which, insane. Yes, but was probably like the third dumbest trade of the day. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> that was the same day as Ristolainen to the Flyers and Seth Jones to Chicago. Those all happened on the exact same day on draft day in uh, 2021. Holy shit. But yeah, just to recap for anyone, um, off the top of my head, uh, Vancouver acquired OEL and Connor Garland. And sent to Arizona, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, Louis Erickson, and the ninth overall pick. <laughs> so the idea at the time, it was kind of similar to the, like the FNUF trade between Toronto and Ottawa, where it was like, all right, Ottawa, you take this bad money that we have for like four more years, and we'll take all your bad money you have for one more year. And look, it's like the same cap. The cap is cancel out this year, and then for the years afterward, it's Ottawa coming out on the bad end of things. Yeah. And it was it was worse in this instance. Because, you know, uh, Beagle, Roussel, and Erickson, obviously all bad players who took up $12 million of the cap, more than Oliver Ekman-Larsen did. But 
but they all only had one year left. And then they were off the Coyotes who weren't even trying to be good anyway. So now, as it stands, uh, the Canucks have Connor Garland, nice piece, and this deadweight defenseman. And the Coyotes have an excellent prospect, Dylan Gunther, who's actually made the team already and is doing well. Absolutely. But just having OEL on the roster, never mind like giving up a ninth overall pick, which is insane. But yeah, it's just, it's just such a mortgaging the future move. It's beyond mortgage. You sold the future of the team so you could have a bit more cap space for fucking Jim Benning to fuck around for one more year. China, I think the year before, yeah, they had they gave a first rounder for JT Miller as well. So they had two years in a row, I think, without a first round pick. What a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A poorly run fucking franchise. Yep. Damn. But you know what franchise isn't poorly run? The New Jersey um, Devils. They are on track to Stanley Cup contention. They look good. They look good. They look real good. They look good. Yeah. Hell yeah, they do. So basically, the recap of their week. They were two and one. Beat the Sharks two to one. Lost to the Capitals six to three. And then beat the Red Wings six to two. And the context going into this week. Uh, they were two and two, I believe. They had lost the first two games of the year badly. They lost five two to the Flyers and five two to the Red Wings. And everywhere was fire Lindy, fire Lindy. Lindy Ross gonna be gone within minutes. And since then they're four and one, and yeah, I haven't heard much about that. Yeah, about the firing talk. Yeah, yeah, because the team's playing well. Uh, just across the week, even the game they lost six three. It was really like what five three, and then like a whole bunch of like boneheaded defensive errors. But I felt like they were, they could have won that game. Yeah, there they were, they were parts where they were like the better team. I thought fucking Charlie Lindgren played really well for the Capitals. Uh, and so I, I, I thought in, in all three games they were competitive. In two of them, they were dominant, right? It, they just, they dominate a 5-on-5. They have a good set of, you know, forward lines. The top nine is pretty good. And John Marino's a beast, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> John Marino, <laughs> I told you. Yeah, so, like, I guess we'll start on John Marino. John Marino, if you look at his analytics, he's a defensive monster uh, in terms of su- suppressing offensive chances up until this year. And then he shows, like, flashes of offense here and there. Um, there was, yeah, there were, like, three instances where, he, like, he's really become the stretch pass guy yes. for, for the Devils. Uh-huh. Uh, I know he sprung, like, he was on a breakaway. There, were, there was another breakaway that was a goal, and then he activated on the rush at one point. That was the first goal of the game. I don't remember who exactly it was. But uh, yeah, he shows some offensive flair, but that's not even his bread and butter. It's his shutdown defensive play. Yeah, I remember in the 2020 bubble when he was with the Penguins, um, people were talking about John Marino like this guy is about to like take the mantle from Latang as like the Penguins like big number one. Like that was his rookie year. He had excellent defensive metrics. It was kind of overshadowed, but that was like Makar, uh, Hughes. Uh, and Fox, I think, was their rookie year all that year, along with John Marino. So, uh, you know, good company for him. Uh, and yeah, that that trade uh, with Pittsburgh that the Devils made uh, is looking uh, great for them and not so great for the Penguins. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So let's start with the first game. New Jersey beats San Jose two to one. Uh, interesting thing I noted before the game started was that the Devils dressed seven defensemen and eleven forwards, and these defensemen. Included Brendan Smith and Kevin Ball. Meanwhile, forwards such as uh, Fabian Zetterlund, Jesper Boquist, and Alexander Holtz yeah. were healthy scratched. Holtz uh, has been healthy scratched for, I think, like half the games this year. Yeah, he's played four times. He's played four times. Yeah. Averages like 10 minutes a night. Not good. Terrible. What are they doing? Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the last thing you'd expect out of this, this game, I think, 
I was like a, a goaltending duel between Mackenzie Blackwood and Capo Kakinen. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much what we got, especially from from Kakinen. The Sharks' yeah. defense, I mean, was 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 putrid. It was it was clear who was the better team in this game. Was who was the the playoff caliber, uh-huh. second place in the Metro caliber team? I buy it. It was the New Jersey Devil. Thank you. I'm converted. Mm-hmm. It's a good week. Yeah, in particular, yeah. I mean. I think in a Kakinen, there was like a stretch pass from Reno to Jack Hughes on a breakaway and tried to yeah. pull the like the Peter Forsberg move. Kakinen uh made a great save. Uh there was also there was a, a goal called back in this game. Yeah. Um, which was scored before any of the actual goals were scored. And I found this one funny in particular because normally if a player thinks a goal might not count, they sell it and celebrate. But like uh this goal basically was like Palat to Hisher on a two on one, goes in off at Hisher skate. And Hisher, I found kind of had a look like I think that one's gonna. I don't think that one's gonna to count. <laughs> yeah, no, that was it was a that was a distinct kicking motion, as they say. Uh, yeah. but yeah, that that Hisher and well, Palat, I think he got injured in the second game, right? And then he didn't show up in the last one. That's why Holt and Zetterlin both got into the lineup. Uh, but yeah, that that line was uh, it looked really good. him. It was Hisher, Palat, and Jesper Brat, right, for a hot moment. Uh, I think they were playing as the top line, and yeah, they were just generating tons of offense. Jack Hughes looked good, like you said, he had a breakaway, he had a nice little spinorama bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, I took note of that. Was that in this game? Yeah, it was in this game. Because I was like, uh, I was like, spinorama. That was like, that was all the rage in 2012, wasn't it? <laughs> I haven't seen one of those in a while. No, it was good. He created some space for himself. He looks, he looks comfortable. Um, let's see, look at the goals in this game. Igor Sharon Gopich. <laughs> making Marco Devast look horrid, um, just swiping the puck off of him. Yeah, Vlasic makes the terrible mistake of trying to break the puck out himself, <laughs> <laughs> and basically carry the puck straight into Timo Meyer's feet. And Sharon Govich has a, an easy takeaway, breakaway, forehand, backhand goal. Um, Hisher then not long afterwards feeds a Dawson Mercer in the power play on the power play in the slot. Uh embarrassingly uncontested by either of the Sharks defensemen there. I think it was I think Matthew Benning and Mario Ferraro. But I, I looked it up. San Jose's penalty kill has actually been extremely excellent this year so far. Yeah, weren't they perfect up until that goal? Was oh, that what it was? Yeah, could be. I know yeah. right now they're at 93%. They've given up two on the year. Maybe the second one was after. That. Yeah. I think I remember the broadcast saying that. It was like, this is the Sharks' first penalty. Like, they broke the p- perfect penalty kill. Oh. Uh, they didn't look perfect on that one. Yeah. No, I thought maybe you know the Devils' power to, to the Devils' credit, their power play does look good. It, it does. It does. It does move the puck really well, and you know that's why Dawson Mercer was so open. So, yeah, not not just the Sharks. I think, and then uh, yeah, good for them. And then uh, let's see, what was it? Kevin LeBanc scored on a two-on-one. Yeah, Dougie got Dougie caught Hamilton. pinching. Yeah, yes. Uh, that was my one <laughs> note on that goal. <laughs> he pinched, got burned as hell, Um, and two-one, and yeah, Jack, he's had another great chance afterwards. Uh, you couldn't get it over. Capo Kacknan was, was really good. I mean, he was just, they dominated it. They almost died it, though. The Sharks almost died at the end. It yeah. Was, uh, it was exciting. These Devils have survived that scramble to hold yeah, on folks. for the 2-1 win. And then on the Jack Hughes, that was my like big note from this game as well, and from the week in general. But specifically in this game, because it was the game he didn't score any points, and I was still noticing him all the time. Yeah, yeah. he was always creating, always you know in the right spot to to make scoring chances. Always looking cool and entertaining while doing it too, every single time without fail. It's like that's exciting to watch. Yeah, yeah. that's uh that's a potential marquee player. 
and it's you know I feel like everyone going into the season this was their big like look out for Jack Hughes type of pick he's gonna explode he's gonna go go crazy and it's been nothing world beating so far from a statistical perspective but on the ice you can clearly see that he's playing at a level higher than he has and it's only a matter of time before that is reflected in the stats I think yeah 100% and I think combined with the fact that his surrounding cast both on his line and also above him and below him in the lineup includes uh, John Marino now yeah <laughs> it looks it looks great so I think that's that that you know it eases the load on him he's not just the only guy there and I think everything's kind of working together and he has taken his game up a notch. Um, yeah. Moving on to the Capitals game. Oh, this is the first goal. This was the, the, the first goal where John Marino like activated off the rush, brought it all the way down to the low slot. And then I think it was Nathan Bastion who ended up scoring. Nathan Bastion, yeah. Yeah, fourth liner. Um, but uh, yeah, I think. And then it would, Capitals tied it up at 1-1. And then who was it? Damon, Damon, this Damon Severson giveaway out in the... Uh, Oh yeah, that led to the Garnet Hathaway. It was up the Blackwood Severson joint breakaway. But before yeah. that, I want to talk about the the Nick Dowd goal from sure. the first period, for the sole reason I thought it was Ovechkin who scored, because of Dowd's mannerism of celebration after he scored the goal. I don't know. Do you remember <laughs> Didn't this? this? No. I would recommend you pull up the video because he did this kind of like quick kind of jolt up and jolt back down onto one knee. Yeah. That looked almost exactly like something I'm sure Ovechkin has done very many times before. Yeah, yeah, find the highlights. Pull it up. This is a great audio. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is content. Um, so it was a 1-1 goal? Yeah, in the first period. You're going to agree. I know for sure. If you're listening okay. at home uh, or wherever you're listening, you should pull it up too and watch the video. Watch along with us. Oh, okay. Yeah, you see the, the on the one knee and the you see it. Yes, and Nick Dowd is taking after Ovet. It's the culture, the Washington Capitals championship culture. Yeah, of celebrating like that. Not only are they funneling everything to Ovechkin to get that record, they're emulating his. Yeah, they're trying to look enough like him that their goals will accidentally get attributed to him, <laughs> so that he can break the record faster. <laughs> yeah, great. You know he he did score one, just like a, like a classic Ovechkin goal. I need to make a 4-1 at this point. Um, oh, well, Vegeta, uh, yeah. Yeah, good for him. I thought we were still on the Dowd goal. No, I had nothing else to add on the Dowd goal. I mean, he was just open on the right side. and Yeah. Uh, and then there was a, the, the 3-1 goal afterwards was another shitty defensive moment. I think it was Jesper Bratt attempted a... It was on the power play, too. It was just a really bad... Terrible giveaway. Breakout. Also, there were, like... The, the whole setup was kind of weird because there were, like, two Devils. Like, all... The three Devils were all kind of clustered near Jesper Bratt, they, were, they did not look ready to break out whatsoever. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, Bratt made the bad decision to go across the ice. Yeah, I, if I remember correctly, like, Bratt and Hughes, who he was trying to pass to, were both, like, they were both static on the play. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how yeah, that even happened. Just, yeah, she was just ready to pick it off. He, it wasn't some genius play. He was just kind of standing at the blue Yeah, line. <laughs> this was an extremely sloppy couple of minutes for the Devils. Yeah. Uh, because Even the goal right before that you mentioned, the Hathaway one, Blackwood kind of like, you know, softly cleared it out to Severson, tried to play it on his backhand ha- half-heartedly, and it goes to Hathaway who scores. Um, yeah, Blackwood decided that uh, one solid game against the Sharks was enough for this week. <laughs> um, because, yeah, obviously, you know, the Devils, like like on that play by Severson and that one by Bratt, uh, these are bad plays. This is a bad stretch that happens with teams in general. 
Um, but when, uh, when, when, you know, when your team goes through a stretch like this, you want to hope that your goalie can bail you out at least sometimes. Right. And I have no faith that Blackwood can. I don't think anyone does. Nope. There's, there's, he's just a guy and you're, you don't, you don't count on him to make the save to, you count on the post like in the game before. <laughs> um, yeah, no, not, not clutch at all. He's, he's mid. He's so mid. That goaltending is so mid. That's generous. Yeah, uh, this is uh, this is not. If there's one thing that'll drag this team down, it'll be the Blackwood Vanacek tandem. Um, so yeah, I worry about this. <laughs> <laughs> as you should, as a Devils proponent. Yeah, yeah, I am a Devils proponent this year, aren't I? You <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And then it was Nick Jensen of all people goes bar down <laughs> from the point. Make it so that's four goals for Washington in this period, none for the Devils in the second. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you, you can't afford to have sloppy periods when your goalie won't bail you out. That's the story. That's right. hundred percent. Um, Thomas Tatar scored a goal though. Yeah. After Vanacek came in for Blackwood. That's right. His old team. Yes. The beef. Yes. Uh, and yeah, Jesper Bratt scored on a breakaway. Another great pass from John Marino. The stretch pass that I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, yet another one. Clutch shit. Yeah. That's a terrible line change. Um, and then the Capitals took a timeout actually when it was made five three. Yeah, kind of this sense of, oh, is it happening? Are the Devils uh-huh. coming back? And a few minutes later, Brat has an insane cross seam pass to Igor Sharangovich, and Charlie Lindgren makes a spectacular oh, save, spectacular sliding save, save of the game. This I would say was the play of the game for sure because if this goes in, which it could have and should have, if Sharangovich got the shot off a little bit quicker. Yeah. You know, it totally changes the complexion. All of a sudden, Washington's already taking their time out to try and come down. It's 5-4. Who knows where things go from here? 100%. Um, so you can count on Charlie Lindgren more than you can count on Mackenzie Blackwood to bail you out, apparently. This um, is, doesn't surprise me. No? I've been a Charlie Lindgren proponent ever since he made his NHL debut in 2016 <laughs> with the Montreal Canadiens coming out of St. Cloud State. He, he beat the Hurricanes, and I was like, you just wait. Even Don fucking Cherry was like, where does Montreal keep getting these great goalies? They have, yeah. they have Price and Al Montoya and, and Zachary Cowley is going to be great. And now Caden Primo too and Charlie Lindgren. And I feel like a lot of people are kind of waiting around like, oh yeah, one of these years Charlie Lindgren's going to emerge as a backup. Washington, and he hadn't. Washington was like, oh, what if we just make him the backup? Yeah. Well, best of wishes. What are those pads, though? Did you notice those pads? They stuck out to me. No. It's like the bottom half are like fucking brown, and there's like, there's like, there's like it's top half, and a zigzag, and then it's brown. That was a strange design choice. Also, I made a note in the shark theme of how bad their jerseys look, mostly because we were talking about stripes. They did. The, the week they before. Bad. Which, oh yeah, we haven't talked about the poll. Oh yeah, you um, fucking we'll killed the in. poll. I kicked his ass. Uh, it was great. Um, I'm the reverse retro expert, is what we've decided. Um, so that's great. Shouldn't have taken three red, white, and blue jerseys maybe next time. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, just too many. Sh- it looked like a prison uniform. That's what I. That's what I said uh, about the, the Sharks uniform. I thought for a second, like, wait, is this like some kind of Maple Leafs away alternate? <laughs> I, it's just, it's just too many stripes. That's that. that I, that, I. That's my deep analysis. There were too many stripes on the socks, the bottom of the jersey, the sleeve. It's just. It's overwhelming. So, and that's why the Sharks lost that game. That one hundred percent. That's right. Maybe maybe they would have scored that goal. Maybe you know the post would have moved to the right, <laughs> had they worn appropriate attire for the game. Anyway, in this game, 
which is almost over now. Yeah. Uh, New Jersey, of course, instead of uh, scoring and coming within one and having all the confidence and swagger and momentum on their side, starts getting a little desperate, starts pinching. Washington gets a two-on-one. Aliaxe protests. Uh, pots a nice goal, makes it 6-3. Uh, but the Devils did, I noticed afterward, outshoot Washington almost double in this game. So we are seeing them control a lot of the play. And it, it was really just a bad second period, but even just like a sloppy stretch of a few minutes more than anything. Yeah. And Blackwood being unable to bail them out sunk them. Yeah, like I said, they looked like the better team for long stretches of this game and all week, which is part of why... Yes, I am convinced that the Devils do look like a legit team, um, unlike my opinion a week ago. So this has turned me around. Anyways, off to the off to the Red Wings. They lost to like five two, uh, two weeks prior, but they came back and won big. Uh, let's see, it was Vitek Vanacek starting this game. Uh, it was a Dylan Larkins won the first goal. Yep, eh. right under Vanacek's arm. Pretty sh- yeah, pretty shitty fucking goal to give up. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, oof, this is. Not a nice experience, uh, if you're if you're the Devils, but uh, yeah, no, they they came back. Dawson Mercer scored a nice goal off the from the slot, nice little cycle going, and then uh, Jack Hughes made a two one. Uh, that was a nice pass by Jesper Brat, up tight, kind of no look backhand. Yeah, thumbs up. Mm, I was gonna mention in the previous game, Brat's goal was actually his first of the year, yeah. um, which you know took a while for someone like him to get going. But I think this probably does open the floodgates for him, including, like, he got two in this game against the Red Wings, and with Hughes as well, since they're on the same line, kind of a tag team. Uh, and even, like, the goal right after this, actually, was a power play goal. A bing-bang-boom all-star connection of Dougie Hamilton to uh, to Hughes to Bratt. Yeah. Um, that was a nice seam pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it looks like they're clicking, so that, that's good. Uh... What happened? What happened next? Sharon Govich scored. Short-handed. Snipe. I'm just talking about Igor on Sharon Govich. Igor Sharon Govich. First of all, I think he's a very underrated player. Um, which I thought even before this week, honestly. But he was impressive. Besides, just like the couple goals. Players like Igor Sharon Govich, uh, are exactly why I picked the Devils, or part of the reason why I picked the Devils to make the playoff, because I believed greatly in their like, uh, their mid-level of the lineup players. And, like, in general, like, this, this week, I think, uh, or this game in particular mostly, because, you know, you have Hughes and Bratt who are clicking well, uh, and you have guys like Sharon Govich, Mercer, these kind of uh, middle six players. This is what I kind of expected to see when I picked the Devils second in the division, which is a high-flying yeah. offense from their, uh, from their, you know, elite-level guys, and the mid-level guys like this chipping in to their fullest potential. Um, and... I think, you know, other players like, like Holtz, Zetterland, Boquist were getting healthy scratched. Mikey M- Michael McLeod, Nathan Bastion on, like, the fringes of the lineup. I think there are enough options there that it's, that it's uh, likely that one or a few of them rise to the occasion. And I expect the goaltending, or at least hopes for it, to be okay, which it was in this match. <laughs> yeah, no, on, on the Zetterland note, I thought he looked really good for a guy who's being healthy scratched. Um, I think he had, like, seven shots on goal. Uh, in in this one game, and he just I think he was he was playing with T-shirt because Palat was injured, uh, and it was him. I think he was on a line with Tatar too. Uh, that line looked really good for a line that was just putting t- put together. So, yeah, I'm on the uh, I'm on the Fabian Zetterland train. I think he should be on in the lineup more often. He looked he, he like he looked like he was generating a, a solid bunch of offense there. Yeah, 
Um, looking at their, yeah, I'm pretty sure their lines in this last game were the same as they are now, which was like the Tatar Hisher Zetterland, uh, Hughes and Jesper Bratt with Eric Halla. Uh-huh. So, I, I didn't know, Jesper Bratt, I guess, had like a ton of assists before he scored a goal. He had 12 points in seven games. That's kind of nuts. Yeah. Three goals <laughs> and nine assists. Jesus. Heart trophy? Sure. Book it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. You know, Kubalik scored a goal, made a 4-2. And then, uh, yeah, the John Marino effect struck again to make a 5-2. I don't know if you saw that. He had a nice, nice pass on the transition. Uh, and then, you know, off to Tatar, or it went off the boards. Tatar goes after it, gets, gets it to Heischer. All around, solid hustle play from Thomas Tatar. You love to see it. And then, uh, yeah, to top it all off, yes, we're at the fucking rocket of a shot to make it 6-2. And uh, that yep. was the final score. And uh, it was really just the offense stemmed completely from the Devils here. And the Red Wings looked completely outmatched. So out of the two teams that did not make the playoffs, looking to make a make a jump, I am much more convinced by the quality of the Devils and what I saw from them. And Nadeljkovic looked like ass, looked too. Shit. Especially on that fifth goal. Yeah. Oh my! There was no reason at all for him to just totally drift out of the crease, out of position like he did. Yeah. It was, a, it was a, another tap-in. Um, the Devils are playing again tonight, actually, against Colorado. Uh, and, you know, Zetterland still in the lineup. Bokers as well. Alexander Holt's healthy scratched. That's again. nuts. Yep. <laughs> they need to send him down immediately. They need to put him in the lineup, I think. Yeah? Yeah. I, he, he, I think, if memory serves, he tore up the AHL last year. Yeah, he scored 51 points in 52 games in the AHL last year. Um... And, I mean, maybe if you need him to, like, improve his defensive game or whatever, if that's what you want from him, send him back to the minors some more. And if it's either that or scratch him, definitely send him back yeah. to the minors more. I don't think there's any reason not to have him in the lineup and give him some time to figure things out. Right. Where, though? Where would you put him? It is a very crowded lineup because the fours are so deep right now. I would have no problem pulling Nathan Bastion out of this lineup. Right, but then you're giving him, like, what, fourth-line minutes? You know, No, and then you... Then you move Eric Haller to the fourth line okay. and give Holtz more minutes. Yeah, that could work. Um, we'll see. We'll see if Lindy Ruff does that. I think. I think he won't. He's, he's yeah. I think Holtz hasn't been particularly, you know, outstanding mm-hmm. up until this season. Like even in the uh, in the Detroit game, I didn't really notice him that much. So, you know, for a team that's clicking and there are plenty of forwards to take a spot. I don't foresee him having the patience. So in that case, I send I say send him down. You know, let him let him yeah. tear up the HL, keep keep going, and uh, you know, bring him up when he's ready. Because or when you're ready to play him with regular minutes, because they're not right now. Yep. So obviously, the big question mark. Actually, I, I wouldn't even call it a question mark because it's not a question. We know the goaltending is bad. Yep. It's not up in the air. Uh, Vanacek, so far this year. Is an 8.33, and Blackwood is an 8.71. <laughs> These numbers are not good enough, and yet the Devils are still a respectable four and three. Yep. Um, the Devils should be in the James Reimer sweepstakes. They should be calling the Sharks immediately about it. Um, they should also uh be asking around anyone to give them their competent goalies, because they don't have any. And if they had one. If they had like a 9-10 goalie, that would completely change the equation. That would make me much more confident in my second place prediction. Uh, and yet I'm standing by it anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, to be fair, you, you did make that pick. 
no fooling no like knowing full well who the goalies were going to be heading into the season thinking they couldn't possibly be worse than they were last year that was a proven wrong so far <laughs> horrid just horrid yeah no this this team is looking like you know for all the talk of all these years where the devils oh off season winners you know they're going to take that step and whatnot it looks like they're legitimately good now on the ice so yeah, yeah time to acquire shit goaltending is should be priority number one two and three Get a second one, get a third one. Why not? I was I wasn't saying second goalie, third goalie. I was saying priority one, two, and three is. Yeah, to get but a you might as well at that point. You know I mean, Vanacek, Blackwood. Yeah, There's a, I could foresee. Sub nine hundred. I could see a situation. Oh, I am. Vanacek signed at three point four till twenty twenty five. Never mind. I guess you can't get two goalies because you're stuck with this one. Oh God, you gotta wait for him to have like four good games in a row, then trade him. Yeah. Or maybe when he has four good games in a row, he'll say, oh, great, he's actually good now, and keep him. Much more likely. Seems ill, seems ill-advised, but, you know. You're right. That's probably what's up. Yep. Okay. <sighs> All right. Any final thoughts on the Devils? No. I Just that I am sold. I'm sold on the Devils. They just need to fix their goaltending. I wasn't expecting that. I was yeah. not expecting that from you. They look <laughs> legitimately good. They look legitimately like they were like controlling play, I think. Yeah, I might check out the Colorado game tonight just to see how they stack up against uh, a legit contender. But just in general, if I won five, they're a really good team. That so. is another thing to consider that we should mention. They didn't play many great teams this week. Yeah, the Sharks are ass. Uh, the Red Wings are not very good either, uh, and it was a bad goaltending performances from them. And they did, you know, outplay Washington for most of the game. A team you kind of hope that they're at least on par with, uh, but lost. You know what? I, I have my t- I'm sold in that I think this is a the skaters are second place in the division perhaps worthy. You put you add in the goaltending. I don't know if I'm like confident in saying they'll make the playoffs because they're that bad and I believe that they very well could continue to be that bad for the entire season. And I wouldn't be surprised at all. So I don't think they'll be this bad. I'll double down. Okay. I'll say here's what I'll say. Mackenzie Blackwood and Vitek Vanacek will both finish the year with save percentages higher than 895. <laughs> <laughs> so they're 896. You're thoroughly satisfied with their performance? I don't think I'm satisfied. I'm saying I think they'll get better than what they've been so far. Okay. But they've been hovering around eight, what, 880. They've been, they're both at this moment at least, this is significantly below 895. Really? Yikes. Okay, yeah. they won't be this bad, but... Exactly. I don't know how much better they'll be, though. That's the issue. They're just... It's not... This is not... <laughs> what number are you expecting me to say? I don't know. At least 900. 895. <laughs> I was thinking that. I'm like, no. Uh, that's a bit too ambitious, I think. I think they'll both be 900. <laughs> yeah, fair. All right. Yeah, that's the, the Devils. It was fun to watch. It was an enjoyable week to watch the Devils. I gotta it say. was. Yeah. Jack Hughes in particular. Yeah. And yes, for Brad and John, and John Marino. Marino. John yeah. Marino's a stud. Oh, I love John Marino. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, great. Um. So in addition to the trades we mentioned earlier involving the Canucks, uh, and the trade, what was it involving Chicago and Philadelphia? Evan Barrett for Cooper Zek. Um. Montreal made a deal with Chicago, that everyone said Montreal won, because Montreal traded former third rounder playing the ECHL with one NHL game under his belt, Cameron Hillis, to Chicago. For 
first-round pick in 2018, Nicolas Baudin, who was looking a few years ago, he was about to break onto the scene, and it hasn't panned out, and he's kind of been, uh, you know, knocked down the Chicago defense depth chart by the likes of Isaac Phillips and Jakob Galvis, uh, and uh, not that he's much higher in the depth chart in Montreal, because they've got a kind of similar slew of, like, youngish fourth or fifth pair defensemen uh, without such a high ceiling. Yeah, I think, but I think even despite that traffic jam, value-wise, it's just a one-for-one. One. It's fine. It's a solid gamble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, I don't think Cam Hill is anything particularly promising. If anything, he'll bottom out as, as a bottom-of-the-line-up guy. Rotates in once every two games. Yeah. Um, so, you're not... It, it's a gamble that I you would take 10 times out of 10, I think. Yeah, one thing I think of in particular when it comes to Nicolas Baudin, because uh, this was the 2018 draft, and uh, Joe Valeno was sliding. He was expected by some to go around like mid first round. It was getting into like you know around 25. He was still on the board. Everyone was saying, "Oh, when's he gonna go? When's he gonna go?" We were actually we were watching this draft together, and so we were listening for like Drummond uh, for uh, Drummondville. Yeah, because that was the team Valeno was on, and Chicago comes up podium number 27 they say from drummondville we go oh here it is and they take nicolas baudin <laughs> instead and we go whoa because yeah. this was a guy projected late first by some second round by most uh and here they go taking him ahead of his uh qmjhl exceptional status teammate he went three picks later in the end yeah it looks like the Habs are just kind of taking gambles on youngish defensemen uh like baudin or well, Kovacevic, that was the other guy. They just got him all way. I was so impressed with him these days, too. Yeah, apparently. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, it's worth taking these flyers. If anything, just flip them at the deadline. All it work. Yeah. It's funny because uh, Montreal, I mean, they started the season, they're 500, they're 4-4. Four and four. Um, But and but the, expect, the expectations were so low for this group of six, especially with Matheson and Edmondson out. And now with Joel Edmondson kind of nearing return, People are like, what, which defenseman do you take out of the lineup? <laughs> like, this is actually a discussion <laughs> that, that's going on. What a dumb And bit, I mean, yeah. uh, sure. I mean, it is maybe it's a tough decision just because all the defensemen are about as good as each other. Exactly. Right? That's, that's, that's why it's why tough. It's yeah. tough. <laughs> uh, because I would be, well, I mean, I don't think David Savard is coming out. Uh, I don't think Caden Gooley's coming out. I don't think Arbor Jack guy is coming out. I'd be stunned now that he's like the the fucking identity Darling. of the team. <laughs> I like straight up. Everyone, can we talk about this for a second? That's kind of it's insane. It is insane because we because even before he made the team, we had talked about like what's the deal with Arbor Jack? Everyone's talking about him now. Is there some kind of like like conspiracy to make sure Arbor Jack guy makes the Canadians? He makes the team, uh, thanks largely to a couple of injuries, and you know he he throws big hits and he fought Zach Cassian. And he works at Costco. All of a sudden, it's like, this guy has changed the complexion of the Montreal Canadiens forever. He's the face of the team. He's, he's got the dumbest fucking nickname ever that we're all going to pretend is smart for some reason. Wi-Fi. It's, everyone was like, finally a creative name. What are you talking about, finally a creative name? This is the worst <laughs> nickname I've heard in my life. Wi-Fi? Because his name is like an odd amalgamation of letters that you're not used to reading. Uh, anyway. This guy is never coming out of the lineup again. He's playing all 82 <laughs> games. He's going to be an alternate captain uh, by next year at the earliest, the year after that at the latest. 
<laughs> he is. He's. I saw. Uh. Yeah. Everyone's comparing him. To, like. Uh, yeah. And then like, cause he had the fight, and the Slavkovsky scored the goal, and it was like, see how Arbor Jagai's fight like encouraged Slavkovsky to like score a goal. What are you talking about? Anyway, uh, that's enough of that, Rand. He's not coming out of the lineup. Jordan Harris should not come out of the lineup. He's been an excellent bright spot. Um. And uh, unless and there's Kovacevic, and there's Chris Weidman. So it's going to be one of them. Yeah, yeah I think it's an easy. the answer is pretty clear, huh? <laughs> one or the other. Probably Weidman. I'd pro- if it were up to me, I'd probably take David Savard out, honestly. Yeah? Yeah, yeah I don't like him. That's He's fair. not very good. Kind of washed. Um, but that's not, we know that's not happening. Really. Probably Weidman. Oh. Uh, He's already, like last season, he was already swapping in and out of the lineup, right? Yeah. When he, he lost that PP1 spot, so... Yep. He really wasn't that top power play for a while, wasn't he? Straight up. He ran that shit. <laughs> Straight into the ground. <laughs> Horrid. Chris fucking Wyman. Yeah. My God, the real Mike Hoffman of the defense. Just uh, oh, I wouldn't go that far. I'm, I'm not a, a, a Chris Wyman anti. Yeah? Yeah. But you're a Mike Hoffman anti. I am definitely a Mike Hoffman anti. As you should be. Uh-huh. Not an NHL player. <laughs> Mike Hoffman <laughs> is the, the defensive liability of all time. Let me tell you. <laughs> He's coming offensive liability too. At five on five. At this point, yes. Yep. Okay. Okay, we gotta talk about the record that we talk about so much. We talk about it too much, and it has now been broken. So we'll talk about it again. Bill Kessel, Woo! NHL Iron Man. Let's talk. Let's start by talking about Keith Yandel because <laughs> because he okay breaks his record, gets within striking distance of a thousand games. Gets healthy, scratched, retires on the same day as two other defensemen who are much more notable than him. Despite the fact that he is the Iron Man record holder, then the Iron Man record gets broken a few weeks later as well. Yep. This this man just cannot catch a break. <laughs> Tough time, rough go. Yeah. Um, we're never gonna, we're not gonna remember that Keith Yandel held the record for like six. Yes, months. he will. Well, we, we will at least. <laughs> we will, okay. Like I meant the general populace. Of course, we will. Uh, it's yeah, it is insane. Like it's insane that they happen so like, you know, close together. This whole like you know Yandel and Kessel. It's it's really like kind of nuts because if you look at it right now, like who's, if you look at the current you know active Iron Man streak, um, it's like Kessel and then Burns at like three hundred games behind him, and then like I said, I think I we talked about this. We did. Yeah. So it's like it's a whole bunch of just players at two hundred games, right? And they're all like a decade away from getting Suzuki. There. So Finally. yeah, that's right. Number five on the list, which is which is go, goes to show just how sparsely populated it is. Um, so yeah, just to have two of them break the record in the span of one calendar year is uh kind of insane, and a coincidence. Yeah, but yeah, indeed they they decided apparently what two thousand and nine was a solid time to get healthy for good. Yeah, <laughs> um, is is the is the takeaway there? But uh, yeah, yeah. So that's Keith Yandel. You know, sucks. At least he had the title for a bit, and should have picked a better day to retire. Literally any other day, and he would have had a better moment in the in the sun. But uh, yeah, on to Phil Kessel because uh, he's the man of the hour. Just uh, just a solid time. You know, he even fucking scored a goal. He scored his four hundredth goal on the on the same day he broke the record. Right. So was that yes? The game he tied the record was the goal that was called back, right? And he yep. broke it and scored the four hundredth. Right. Exactly. Uh-huh. Just. Just a just a legend. Um, thought he had us with the four hundred on the first game. He was just saving it for the record breaking game. So uh, yeah, just uh, 
he's still he's an absolute animal. All right, this fucking guy. Uh, apparently, he's more motivated than ever. Uh, Arizona really sucked the life out of him. Can you blame him? He's saying <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, but he's on a team that's uh fucking contending. He's a solid third line guy now, Phil Kessel, and just uh, yeah, he can still contribute offensively. Yep, and he's gonna get to game a thousand very soon. Do we know uh, what uh, team that's against? When that is? Arizona, I think. Right. Yes, I remember hearing this. <laughs> uh uh-huh. against his former team that he Ooh. loved so much. Uh, favorite. Uh, I remember during the off season we were talking like, uh, because Kessel took a while to sign with Vegas. We were saying like, if this Iron Man streak is very important to him, which clearly it is, because there was that whole like fly out of Detroit after playing a shift situation. It's like if you want to stay with a team that you know won't healthy scratch you, Arizona, great option. Sure, they wouldn't mind having you back. Break the record, then then they'll you know sell you as a rental. In front of 5,000 fans. But I guess he just hated it so much after three years in Arizona. Yeah. After, you know, winning cups in Pittsburgh. He was like, not going back. Not going back. Can't blame him, man. Yeah. Can't blame him at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now he's done it. I feel like we've done this topic to death so much. Now that's actually happened, there's barely anything to add. Correct. Absolutely. Um, other than we just, yeah, acknowledge that it happened. All right. And I got the list of yeah. the like, all-time Iron Man streak. Have you been looking at it? No. All right. So you know who number one is? Yeah. Phil. And you know thrill. who number two is? My boy Keith. I imagine you know who number three is. Is dude named Jarvis or some Doug shit? Doug Jarvis. Doug Jarvis. There we go. Yeah. Do you know who number four is? No. no he no. held the... Re- well, he... Sorry, he didn't hold the... Re- the streak lasted from uh, February 24th, 1968 to December 21st, 1979. I don't know. Who I know it? this guy because my dad like often has made the mistake of thinking that he held the record instead of Doug Jarvis because okay. he held it for I guess eight years before Doug Jarvis broke it and his name is Gary Unger mm. nice solid, solid accomplishment to his name number five was, nobody else number five about on the list I think you might be able to get this one record okay. from April 9 2009 so another 2009 starter okay. until May 12 2021 the the guy who got suspended was it the guy who got suspended? No. Okay, it's not the guy who got the suspended. The guy who got suspended is lower on the list and was suspended a few years before this. Okay. Uh, no, I don't remember. Who is it? Uh, he... Uh, I want to give you another hint. It was 2021? Yeah, end of 2021. Yeah. Uh, and he's not playing anymore. He was like... I think he's officially retired. No clue. Patrick Marlowe. Oh, yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot he had that. Who was the one that got suspended? All right, wait, so number six, we got Steve Larmer. Number seven is the suspended okay. guy. October oh, 4th, fuck. 2007 to January 13th, 2018. Man, his name is on the tip of my tongue. It's like Antonio Cromartie, but no, that's a football player. It is uh, kind of close to that, yeah. <laughs> he is still in the league. He is playing on the Colorado Avalanche right now. Oh, this is killing me. This is killing me. Andrew Cogliano. Andrew Cogliano. Yeah. There we go. That does sound like. <laughs> I know. All right. <laughs> Let's round out this top ten. Number eight, we got some guy named Craig Ramsey. Okay. No, number cool. nine, we have a streak that lasted from March six, two thousand four, to November twenty second, twenty fourteen, seven hundred thirty seven consecutive games. Um, uh, Wikipedia has this little description too. Streak ended as a result of a lower body injury. Believed to be from stepping on a crack on the ice. 
Right. And this man uh, was, here's another kind of big hint. He was yeah. on Team Canada at the Sochi Olympics. That's a long time ago, man. 2014, right? That was Sochi. Yep. Crack on the ice. Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl was not on the Sochi team. Okay. Well, there we go. The answer is Jay Bowmeister. Oh, of course. And number ten, not a goal scorer in that in that gold medal game, right? Or was that twenty ten? Uh, he scored. You know, he was Bo Meester. Yeah, he was scoring the in the semifinals. Okay. Twenty ten was the golden goal, the Crosby. Right. Nobody scored a goal in that game, didn't he? Not the winning. I don't think goal. he was on the team in twenty ten. Okay. Twenty fourteen, right. he scored. I remember. Oh no, he didn't score. I remember. He had a shot from the point deflected yeah. in by Jamie Ben in the oh, semifinals. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, which were like the two least consequential players on that team that year. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was a one nothing win for Canada in the semifinals. Yeah. Number ten, we have uh, another active streak you mentioned before. Ah, Brent, Brent Burns. Burns. Let's go one more for good measure. Eleven, sure. March twenty first, two thousand four to January eighteenth, twenty fourteen. Missed okay. game as a result of a rib injury. At the time of the competition, this player's streak was the sixth longest in NHL history. Um, and here's a hint. He was the captain of a Western Conference team. And he has won a heart trophy. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah, no, I don't. It's not clicking. Swedish. Swedish? Nicholas Lidstrom? Nope. No. I think he retired in 2012, Nicholas Lidstrom. Okay. Henrik Sedin. Oh, a forward. Uh, oh, we got, we got. Sorry, we have to do one more. This one's fun. All right, <laughs> all right. Number twelve is Andy yeah. Hebbinton. Played sure. from like fifty-five to sixty-four, or like less than the streak was. Number okay. thirteen. Uh, streak from twenty ten to twenty eighteen. Um, here's the hint. This player, uh, this streak lasted with the Washington Capitals and with the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, this should be a slam dunk. Yeah. In that order, Washington, then Montreal. That ended in 2018. Ooh. Picky. I'll give you a kind of big hint, maybe. Sure. The streak ended because he was healthy scratched in a season opener. Oh. In 2018. In 2018. Ooh. Went from the Cavs. Was it defense? Yes. It's like ringing a bell. Come on, you gotta get this bell. one. I you can't, gotta get I this one. I can't. I can't grab, grab it. it. Oh man. And no one was even surprised or mad. Everyone was like, they should have scratched him earlier. <laughs> earlier than the season. Well, opening. earlier like as in the season before where he played eighty two games. Yeah. Yeah. What? Who is it? Carl Alsner. Oh, of course. Yeah. My God. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, 25th on the list is Glenn Hall, who, as a goalie, played 502 games in a row from 55 to 62. What? Have you ever heard about this? No. Yeah. This is, like, one of the most well-known, like, this record will literally never be broken in the rest <laughs> of sports. Consecutive games by a goalie. <gasps> what the Glenn fuck? Glenn Hall played 502 consecutive games. What the fuck you mean he paid 502 consecutive games? They, like, didn't games. use backups or whatever. 
And he, like, never got injured. He would just go out there, play games all the time. Wasn't that he, like, missed the start? No, this guy fucking played, uh, whatever, 70 games in fucking season. If you include the playoffs, it's 551 games in a row. That's nuts. Yeah. The fuck? That's crazy. Uh-huh. That's what I Our generation is soft. <laughs> Gotta play too many games in a row like Glenn Hall did. Unless I'm mixing him up with another goalie. He was the one who would, like, get... So nervous, he would just, like, vomit between periods. Or maybe he was just fucking tired, because he <laughs> <laughs> played all his fucking maybe. games. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, anyway, speaking of goalies, Carey Price spoke to the media earlier this week, mm-hmm. and I was quite confident it was going to be the, like, sorry, I'm not going back announcement. In fact, yeah. he just told us nothing new. He said, oh, I'd like to come back one day. Uh, we'll see. Was was the extent of it? Yep. So there's really nothing to take away from here, apparently. So yeah, it's like a risky surgery, right? That's the bit, and so he doesn't want to risk it. So he's just like hoping for a miracle or some shit, is what he said, right? That his knee gets well enough to play. Not doesn't sound very. No. Yeah. Uh, one thing I promise this relates. One thing I like about living downtown now. Uh, I actually walk by the Bell Center every single day on my way to school and back. And I had been going around, like, the boring side. Now I realized I can just cut through the exciting side, and it's, like, the exact same distance. By, like, the the little pregame plaza or whatever. Okay. Um, yeah. And there, near the St. Antoine entrance, is a picture of, a big picture of Carey Price. Because he's still, you know, on the team or whatever. But now when I see that picture, it's a little bit of sadness. You know, it's like, no. it's like, ah. Oh, He's never playing again, is he? That era no, that they're sort of cl- clinging on to so hopefully yeah. is almost definitely over. Certainly. Um, yeah, like like you said, I'm I was also surprised. It wasn't just the, I'm done. Just put me on LTRR for the next seven years or whatever. It's the weird because like, I don't think do players ever officially make that announcement like I'm going LTR but I'm never playing again? No. Exactly. Doesn't happen. But I you know, in this case I thought maybe, you know, because he's so important. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's kind of just this gradual accept. Like with Shea Weber, it was that started with announcement like he's not playing all this season. He's going on LTIR, but I don't think there yeah. was ever like and he's done for a good announcement officially. At least not from him or the team. Like we all know that's the case now. Yeah. So I feel like this Carey Price press conference still might have served that purpose, you know, and that like we already knew like he's out for the year. Now he has this quote like hoping for a miracle. Like, yeah. we know if no one ever talks about this again and he never comes back and no one says a word, no one is surprised or taken aback by it. Yeah. But I guess the thing is, like, we we could have done without this press conference. And if he had never come back, nobody would have fucking said anything either. Right? Like, nobody would have really bad. That is true. Uh, I don't know. I feel like, in hindsight, it does kind of make sense to have, like, He's the space of the franchise. You're not playing. It makes sense for him to have this moment of like, yeah. all right, let me talk to people and like say what's going on, even though it's nothing we didn't really already know. Right, for sure. No, I think it has its merits. Just an, an update from the man himself uh, for him to speak with the media. But uh, yeah, out of, certainly out of the norm, especially for something that's more of the status quo. Yeah. So yeah. And then you, you combine that with the crypt. Did we talk about the Instagram post? Yes. The, what you're gonna say cryptic Instagram post, yeah. right? Yeah, with that the hat. I was like, I had a good time or whatever. It wasn't exactly yeah, like that. Or, Thank you to the fans. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just uh, 
really never gonna see him in action again are we no 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 the fuck we're not dang nope that's unfortunate i think it's the end that sucks yeah it does yeah it sure does i don't know what else to add on to that now i'm sure eventually (laughs) we'll get to the point where we'll have some like official carry price eulogy prepared like he fucking died. No, not like he died. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Just a a tribute, a shrine <laughs> to his career. Yeah, we will simply visit his his like grave or whatever. <laughs> we'll make the grave. Yeah. <laughs> career. Here's ended a fun question. Last year, um, yeah. uh, does his number go to the rafters? I think almost definitely yes. Yeah. Yeah, he would be the first one, uh, in there without a cup ring. How long till that happens? Till the number goes up? Man, it's been so long since they retired anybody. Like, that. what's the waiting period? What is the typical waiting period? See, it's typical. I don't know, because, like... What's as short as it gets? Pecorine was, like, immediate for Nashville. Yeah. So, I could see like, them not waiting too long for Price. Um, Well, it wouldn't be... It would have to be, like... They wouldn't do it while he's still sitting on LTIR, though, is the no. thing. So, no. I guess when you think about it, uh, when his contract is up in 2026, and he will have already been not playing for four years, I could see him doing it right away from there. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. It's really, I sure. feel like Montreal, because it's weird, because on one hand, it's like, oh, they have too many retired numbers, only have like two options in the single digits. And on the other side, you have like, oh, they're now, because of this great history, they're too stingy with who they retire. And like, should Saku Koivu's number be retired? Should should Andre Markov's number be retired? And I think there are cases for both of them. Yeah. So what do we do? Yeah. Mm. So it's like this balance. Of like, do we have yeah. to lower our standards because we aren't winning cups all the time, or do we have to not retire a lot of numbers because we already have too many numbers retired? It's probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You know where it's like you can't adopt the same standards as other franchises do just based off the fact that if you want to continue to actually retire these numbers so other players can't wear them. You're going to limit them too much if you mm-hmm. go at the rate that a, an average NHL team does. Uh, but, you know, you do have to adjust your standards in the context of this team's not going to win Stanley Cup like they did in the past. Uh, you could have stopped the Cup. This team's not going to win the Stanley Cup. Period. Uh, and there are still, there will still be worthy players of, you know, having their jersey, like good enough to have their jersey retired. Yeah. So, yeah. It kind of bums me out. I feel like the ship has sailed on Markov's number being retired. Because I felt like, in particular, that's a he deserved it. How long was he on the team? Man? He was on the team for a long. He was like sixteen years. He was on that team, quarterback in the power play, scoring a bunch of points, being a steady force. I, I liked Andre Markov. He was a great player. Yeah, straight up, almost played a thousand games, all for the Habs. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Plus, he's got a, like a very uh, you know high number. Not, not yeah, no one's ever going to take that so one again anyway, so retire. So. If you heard Koivu, like, Gallagher's had to change the number. It's this whole ordeal. Just just retire Markov. No one's wearing a 79 anyway. Who gives a shit? Agreed. I agree, 100%. Even, like, Price, like, 31's a pretty common goalie number, right? So Yeah, Price is, like, in the no question tier, though. Like, you don't even think yeah. about that one. Right. Um, So, like, it's not egregious to not retire Markov's number. That was kind of just a matter of personal preference. Like, Price is going there, and I feel like since the... Uh, like the Cups winning era. He's the only one who's been a slam dunk. Right. Uh, and it's okay, I think, if you just want to keep it the slam dunks, like Price, like Caulfield. 
<laughs> and for now, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um. For sure. Yeah. No. Um. Speaking of numbers. Yeah. I don't know if you you saw this. I don't know if it was real. I Evgeny Malkin said something like, "I think I'm gonna want to do like what LeBron James did, and like for like late in my career, change to like my original number of number eleven." Really, I didn't see this at all. Yeah. Let me look at this up. Yeah, look yeah. this up. Go ahead. And the Penguins, he was talking to the Penguins about it, and they were like, I guess if you want to do that at some point, sure. But also, like, it was implied, and whatever quote I read, it was like, but of course, when Malkin's number goes into the rafters, it will be his number 71, and not whatever 11 he switches to. Yeah, uh, do you see this? What? Do you see it? Yeah, I see it. Um, yes, here we go. Let's see. I think the quote is, I think now that I'm signed back in Pittsburgh and only play here, my final year I change back to 11. I want back my 11. I want one year to play my original number. <laughs> so I guess it's in his last year. Gonna switch. So is he implying that the last year of his current deal will be his last year and then he'll retire? Uh... No, I don't think so. I think that's a stretch. I, now that I you can, you now can that I am like signed that? back in Pittsburgh, yeah, and I've only ever played in Pittsburgh yeah. for my last year, I will wear eleven. Well, you could you could see it as you know. Now I'm still here. If I had gone to somewhere else, I wouldn't have done this bit. But now that I am still here, the current plan is to still play. You know, the last year as a whatever number eleven. I don't know. But if I do leave, then that plan is gone. It's out the window. May I? I'm kind of reading like this contract will be my last. Then I'm out. So, yeah, yeah. Huh. Okay, we'll see. We will see. Yeah, there's no other way to know. Anyway, before we get to trivia, two more small things I want to mention. Number one, Brad Marchand is very ahead of schedule and returned last night. Uh, we all thought he was gonna be to the end of November. All of a yep. sudden, it was like, no, he actually is a, a a extremely high level athlete, so he heals quick, and uh, he came back. Uh, much to the chagrin of everyone in my fantasy league except for me, because I got him as a steal in the fifth round. I said, just wait, he's going to return, and he's going to light it up. And he returned even earlier than I thought. And he had two goals and an assist against the Red Wings. Uh, the Bruins are firing on all cylinders. They don't even have McAvoy yet, back yet either. I think it's time that people start taking the Bruins seriously as a cup contender. Now, yeah. here's... And because uh, this is actually the first time the Bruins have ever had David Krejci and Hampus Lindholm at the same time. You gonna further elaborate you, that, or that's I mean, they're the both great sentence. players. You yeah. once had David Krejci, he left. You got Hampus Lindholm, another great player. Now they're both here together. They're <laughs> overpowered. Yeah, with with talent. No, seems great, man. They're clicking, and like I said, I you know what, honestly. I don't like bringing him back early because a it weaponizes your fantasy team. Also, <laughs> there's no reason to if your team's doing this well. You know what I mean? Like he's already like he's not playing one of the games in the back to back because you know he's recovering still or whatever the fuck. They don't want to like put that load on him. All right, uh, that was uh, an interesting pause to our show. We were in the middle of speaking, and all of a sudden in the building we're in, uh, there was an announcement that there was some kind of emergency going on and that everyone had to go into the nearest room and lock the door and since we were in a room a bunch of people came in joined us uh we hung out for a little bit 
while an investigation went on, and luckily there was no emergency in the end. So we're back on recording, uh, and I think we're just going to pivot to trivia. One more thing, though, before yeah. the trivia, Tyler Pitlick, mm. who we have talked about a couple times recently because he had an excellent preseason on PTO with the Blues. They didn't sign him. Then they did sign him this week. Uh, they gave him a deal. Changed their mind. So well done to yeah. Tyler Pitlick. Good stuff. The preseason was worth it. All that effort. Preseason does matter. See, this is what I this is what I'm always saying. <laughs> yeah, good for Tyler Pitlick. I'm glad he uh, found a roster spot somewhere. At least a contract. Yeah, that too. Okay, cool. So that is the conclusion of the news, right? So we can move to the trivia. Yeah. Is this the first time you've given me a trivia in person? In person, yeah. Really? Yeah, it is, yeah, it is the first time. I guess it is. Yeah, because uh, I don't think it's been six weeks since our since we started going in person. Um, or did we skip an event one week? Maybe. Uh, whatever. Anyway. It's okay. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't remember ever giving you a trivia. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm I'm looking this up right now on our feed, but you explain it while I do this. Anyways, it's just a it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty straightforward one. It's a Phil Kessel trivia. Cause uh, why not? You gotta nice. you know gotta milk the cow while it's still while active. It's alive. Yeah. <laughs> while it's still an active NHL player, so you know that's uh, the whole bit. There's ten questions, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's that's all there is to it. We should set a threshold of seven. It's just straight trivia. There's no multiple choice, no nothing. Just you have to know the answer. And I think I made it reasonable. Yeah, this yeah. is only our fifth episode in person again. Okay, there we go. So, this is our oh. first. Oh. No, it's our sixth. Um, still stands, though. Yep, because yeah. you would need okay. seven episodes for me to come around. So, yeah, I think our last episode online, I made you a trivia. Yes. And then we went on. All right, now so, we're here. got some Kessel trivia. Got some Kessel trivia. Okay. All right. I'm chomping at the bit. Lovely. All right, so uh, where do we begin? There's no particular order to this. So I'm just going to pick and choose. Um, what award did Phil Kessel win as a rookie? Award did he yeah. win as a rookie? That's right. I don't know. I mean, I don't think he was a Calder winner. Wait, so he drafted 2006. I don't think he came to the NHL right away. Oh, wait. No. And he was traded um, to Toronto. In 2009, though, and I'm pretty sure he played... I think he did come into the NHL right away because he played three years with Boston, I think. After being fifth overall, goes right into the NHL, wins an award. Um, yeah, that couldn't have, couldn't have been the caller because I'm pretty sure Malkin won the caller that year. Um, so... Did he win like a Lady Bing or something like that? Most respectful rookie of all time. I don't. Yeah, I see. That's the. I don't think so. I don't think he won any of those dumbass leadership trophies. Um. All right, I'm gonna have a guess, but I'm gonna need you to tell me if you qualify this as an award. Okay. Uh, being on the all rookie team. No. So, okay. Not not not. Well, I don't know if he was on the all rookie team. So. Okay. Um. I just I've I've straight up, no fucking idea. <laughs> What award he could have possibly won as a rookie? Yeah, it's uh, fun about it. Unless it was some kind of like Bruins specific award, like, like, cool guy on the Bruins. Yeah, just 
employee of the month for the month of January. I, honestly, I'm considering forfeiting <laughs> this question. Okay. I wouldn't do that. I'll, I'll guess Calder, but I, I don't think that. Master Jenny, one of the master. In his first year. Oh! Had testicular cancer. Oh, right! Oh, I thought thought that was a little later. No, he was fully as a rookie. Oh, shit, I should have gotten that. Yeah. I thought that was like two years into his career or something. One as a rookie. There you go. Open one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's see. Um, So, in in the trade to Toronto, there were two first-round picks, right? Of course. There was a Tyler Sagan pick. Yeah. Famously. But then, who who was taken with a 2011 first round pick that was received? You're kidding me with how easy this question okay, is? Okay, fine. Is it uh, <laughs> Dougie <man>. Hamilton? Aw. <laughs> Darn. That was extremely basic trivia. Yeah. All right. But that's okay, because I got the first one wrong, so. Yeah. You know what? Honestly, it's hard to find fun facts on Phil Kessel. It's harder than you would think, you know? <laughs> he's just the most boring guy. <laughs> Honestly. You know, like, he's got the whole hot dog bit. Yeah, which apparently really, doesn't even like hot dogs. Yeah, that's that everyone's what we learned. I don't know if you saw. I didn't look at the athletic article, but I heard people talking about it, like former teammates saying things about him. Yeah, and apparently, like when he wasn't teammates with James Van Riemsdyk yet, but like they had still known each other from some kind of college hockey connection. Uh, Van Riemsdyk like tapped him on the shins at the face off the first time they played, and Phil was like, "Don't forget who got you into this league, James." <laughs> And but James like pointed out because I was like he was the only person who called him James. Nice. Seems like a character. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't really. He's not very self aware about the fact he's hilarious. That type of person. Right. Yeah. He's not fully tuned into the bit. Which okay. makes it a bit exactly, which is lovely. Uh, all right. Um, has Phil Kessel ever scored forty goals in a season? No, he's got close many times, but he is not. Thirty-seven. He's maxed out. All right. Um, hmm. Is this too easy? Maybe. Let's see. I'm two for three. I'm not on yeah. pace to win. You're right. Um, okay. There were five pieces uh, that went in the uh, Toronto-Pittsburgh trade. Ooh. That went from, uh, what was it, Toronto, from Pittsburgh to Toronto. Name the three players. This is a fun one. Kasperi Kapanen is one. Yeah. Uh, Scott Harrington is one. Nice. And I know Tim Erickson was involved. I just don't know which side he was on. Um, I think he was going to Toronto. Yeah, because Tyler Biggs went from Toronto to Pittsburgh. I think it was Tim Erickson going from Pittsburgh to Toronto. Uh. Oh, but oh, was it was it Kessel, Biggs, and Erickson for Kapanen, Harrington, a first and a third? Wait, you said name the three players yes. from Pittsburgh to Toronto. Correct. As in, don't name the draft picks. All right, so got it. Nick fucking Spalling. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yes, right. It is it. Yeah. Uh, what Erickson and Biggs both the other side of yeah, things. Yeah, that's right. Okay, look at me go. Nice. Huh. That was going to be my other question, but you know what? We'll pump the brakes. Oh, that was the other question yeah. that I just got correct? Yeah, but it's okay, but I scrapped it, so I didn't, I didn't actually ask no, you. No, I so can't like, scrap it. <laughs> I can't uh, scrap it. It's my <laughs> quiz. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so we're at three for four? Yeah. Well done. Solid pull. Thank you. On the next filing. Yeah. That's good. That was good. Okay. Uh, how many years did he have left on his contract when he was traded to Pittsburgh? 
Six. Wrong. Seven. What? Yeah. Pretty sure. I mean, let me, let me. I think that is if you're, incorrect. If you're, if you're that shocked by it, maybe that's Wait. worth to Google. Uh, Let's see. Oh, no, you're right. Pencil. Yeah? Yeah. Wait. I'm right. I think you're right. I don't know why I got mixed up and thought it was six. He even traded 2015, and his contract just expired 2022. So, yeah, you're right. You I should have thought about that a little longer. Oh, I got mixed up with he had played for the Leafs for six years already. Okay. That's the number I was thinking of. Is that another question you're about to scrap? No, no, no. <laughs> okay. no, no that's too easy. Um, all right. That's uh, three for five. Blew that one. Yeah, yikes. Yeah, I'm not living up to my potential in this quiz right no. now. Um, all right, who are the two players traded uh, in the Arizona trade? Pittsburgh. Uh, going the other way. Going the other way. From Arizona to Pittsburgh. Going from Arizona to Pittsburgh was yeah. uh, Alex Galchenyuk and the amazing Pierre-Olivier Joseph. Thank you. Three out of four out of seven. Let's go. What? No, is that? That's four out of six, right? Oh, yeah, you're right. Four out of six. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's right. Oh, this one's an easy one. I don't even know why I put it. Um, that one wasn't as easy. No, it's the upcoming question. Oh, the upcoming one. Okay. It's a home run. Okay. Who are the other members of the HPK line? Carl Hagelin and yeah. Nick Benino. Too easy. Extremely easy. Too easy. Easier right. than the Dougie Hamilton question. Yeah. In hindsight, that is too easy. But uh, maybe this next one will trip you up. Maybe. In 2016, where did you finish in Smythe Building? Okay. Interesting question. I remember there was a very serious case for him to win. And at the time, I was thinking, like, it was 50-50 him and Crosby. And Crosby won in the end. So I think he was second. That'll be my guess. Well done. He was only three points away. It was close. the whole thing. Yeah, it really yeah. was close. So, yeah. Okay. I thought that would trip you up. Nope. Damn. I remember a lot about that, that 2016 Pittsburgh run. Yeah. Because that was a lot of fun, that, <laughs> that team that year. Right. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. Uh, what's the tally now? 5-7? Five, 5-7? Seven? Five uh, seven? Uh, you're the one who's supposed to be keeping track of this. You're right. I should be. How many questions do I have left? How many questions did I add? 10 questions. Give me a second. Sorry you should be more organized. I do need to be organized. I, I should have uh, done the little, little stick figure thing. You know? I always, when you answer questions when I'm doing trivia, yeah. I put a little, you're like a W if you got it right or L if you got it wrong, that type of thing. Yeah. To keep track. I know you've made two mistakes. And I think I have one question left. You only have one left? Yeah. You've already asked me nine? I think so. I have ten bullet points. Oh. Maybe I didn't have ten questions. Yikes. You didn't have 10 questions? I, did, I think I had 9 questions. Boo! It's terrible. Come up with I, one I, more. I, I miscalculated the, the bullet point. Gotta come up with one more. Alright, I, I have one question prepared and then I'll scan his Wikipedia page. Okay. Alright. So yeah, you alluded to that, that, that famous baby game where uh, he had his kid and then he showed up and then left. Yeah. Guessed it within like 15 seconds of how much ice time he had that game. Within 15 seconds? Yeah. Okay. I think... It was under a minute. So I'm going to guess 45 seconds. Wow. It was 30 seconds. Got it. Yes. <laughs> Let's go. What a snipe. This is by the skin of my teeth. Let's go. If I had to this guess on the dot, I probably would have said like 42 or something. Okay. Well done. Uh-huh. Good shit. Yeah, that's, that's one shift. You played all of one shift. Yeah. Good shit. Okay. All right. Hmm. Let's see. Do you know 
name. Hmm. Two of his two of his <laughs> significant relatives. Uh Lamanda Kessel's one. That's yeah. not the significant relative. Uh I don't know anyone else he's related to. So I guess I can. <laughs> oh wait, wait, no. NHL uh, player or NHL drafted. I was just gonna say oh I was just gonna say let me name someone like in the NHL. Yeah. There is a prospect named Matthew Kessel. I don't know if they're related, but that's I'm not gonna get any better than that. So I'll guess Matthew Kessel. As far as his Wikipedia says, he's not related to Matthew Kessel. Well, he does have a brother named Blake Kessel. Who was okay. drafted in the sixth round. All right. Back in 2007. Well, okay. Good to know. <laughs> All right. So there you have it. There's your quiz. I think you won. Yeah. You did win. You made three mistakes. So that's seven for ten. Uh-huh. And two of them were dumb mistakes. So You should have had nine. Should have had nine, yeah. Darn. It's okay. There we go. There's your quiz of the week. Nice. Philip Kessel. Is his full name Philip? It's gotta be. I'm gonna find what out right now. What's his name? Phil. It is Philip. What's his middle name? Joseph. Okay. Philip Joseph Kessel Jr., according to Wikipedia. That's right. His, his dad was a football player. Is that true? Yeah. You could have named that as your famous relative. Yeah, I could not have. Actually, he's a college quarterback, and then he was drafted by the, the Washington team. If you asked so. me which sport Phil Kessel's dad played, I would have had no I would have guessed hockey. Yeah, I would have been wrong. And then I might have guessed baseball as my next pick. Mm. Then, like, tennis. <laughs> then yeah. I would have gone through lots of sports before I guessed football, probably. No. What state is he from? There's a fun one. Minnesota? No. Wisconsin? He is from Wisconsin. So this is the same thing in my head. <laughs> it's the same state. Yeah. We merged them. I have a friend who lives in Wisconsin. Yeah. And was talking the other day like, uh, you know, I'm thinking about moving to Minnesota. Yeah. And I didn't say this, but in my head, don't you already live there? Oh, no, wait. You live in Wisconsin. Just across the street. Yeah. They're, they're synonyms, honestly. Like, I know they're different, yeah. but like, you know, tomato, tomato, Wisconsin, Minnesota. I just mix up Minnesota and Michigan, but then in my mind for a second. Michigan is such a glove to me, so like that's yeah, not happening. That's you know? true. They really are, right? Minnesota, Wisconsin. Yeah. It's cold. Yeah, like they're up there, you know? They're up there. Cheese is a bit, right? Really? At least in Wisconsin. You know? They like, mm. they like their cheese. Okay. Yeah. I like cheese. Nice. On that note, <laughs> um, <laughs> this has been this week's episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast brought to you from a different room uh, that we had to hide under a table inside of briefly in the middle of the show. Yeah, shelter in place. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Our Twitters are also in the description. Next week, we'll be back with another team. We gotta pick another ah. team. Good call. Um, what's our, pull up a list of teams we didn't do last year or haven't done yet at all. Let's see. Um, and we'll see who's the most exciting of them all. Okay. You haven't done Carolina yet. Philadelphia, if you want to watch a, you know, a bad team regress to the name. Uh, uh, the Rangers, the Blue Jackets, the Capitals, the ooh, Kings. Blue Jackets sound cool. Yeah? Just because Goudreau's there now. Right? You see how he's integrating? Yeah, and they've actually, they're last in the East. Lovely. The rec- they're, they're three and five, so like it's not like all is lost. Even though I said last week all is lost. 
like I don't think they're making the playoffs yeah. in the three and five start. But it's like, you know, they're not ass or anything like that. Um they do play Boston tonight. Uh and then they play the Devils at two PM on Sunday. And the Avalanche on the Friday. So it would only be two games. Not including tonight. Well, including tonight. It'd be the Bruins and the Devils and then the Avalanche on the Friday. We're recording on Friday. Oh right. Oh yeah, we do record on Friday yeah. only. All right, so never mind, not not Columbus. Other options include the Sabres. That's that's a good option, I think. It's an, it's we didn't do them at all last year. No, we didn't do them at all. They're last very year. interesting. Yeah. Because they are off to a hot start, or they were at least, <laughs> and it's already start to slow back down a bit. They're fourth for the hot start that they had. They're four and three right now. That's extremely underwhelming for a hot start. Yeah. Four and three is indeed underwhelming. <laughs> Uh, but I think they gave the impression of a hot start because they tore through like Calgary, Edmonton, some good teams. Now they're playing Chicago tomorrow night. Uh, are you Detroit Monday and Pittsburgh Wednesday? Are we gonna get a, a and yeah? So that's three games. All that's right. Okay, yeah, that's a solid schedule. Two bad teams, but like you know, you can make do with watching the Penguins. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Petrie on the Penguins too. That's true. So, yeah, Buffalo, this is probably as interesting as they're going to get all season. So, might as well jump on while it's hot. Indeed. Because, um, you know, I'm not interested in watching them lose three games in March. So, this is good. <laughs> this right, is good. We watch Tage Tops, the most interesting player in the NHL as well. Oh, hell yeah. All and Rasmus Dahlin, too. Mm, Gold game. Or, uh, not anymore, but was for a bit. Hmm? Gold game, Rasmus Dahlin. Yeah, he looks incredible. What a beast. It's a player to watch. Yep. Eric Comrie, too. Yeah, I'll have to see if I keep him on my fantasy team based on how he performs this week. All right. So I guess I won't do the entire sign-off again. We'll just end the episode. The end. We do the sign-off? Yeah, I did the sign-off. When? Before, I was like, oh, we have to pick a team. Ah. Oh, you did the, like, the follow. Like, follow here with the... Oh, yeah.